Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here today. It's good to be together with God's people in God's house to worship the Lord together. And we welcome everyone. And uh, we welcome our guests, especially. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here today. And we hope that you feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheet on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we can have a record of your attendance with us. Put your name and address and telephone number. And especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, put your email address on there. It's a great way to keep up with the opportunities at Community Baptist Church. Uh, a couple of things that we have coming up uh, in the near future. Uh, we are uh, planning a trip to uh, the baseball game to, uh, to Bush Stadium coming up on August the 16th. Uh, and uh, if you would like to attend that, we have a sign-up sheet on the table as you leave. And uh, please put your name on there and we will reserve a ticket for you. That's August the 16th, so you've got plenty of time uh, to clear your calendar for that date. And it will be a good time together. We always have a lot of fun. Also, um, I, I know that we have announced that we will not be having dinners during July on Wednesday evenings. However, Mary has graciously said, you know what, I'm having fun with that. So if you want to have dinners during July, we'll have dinners do it during July. And she said, and so I said, well, let's have dinners during July then. So we are going to be having dinners during Ju July. So thank you, Mary, for, for offering for that. Uh, we really appreciate that. So we'll be having dinners at July. And guess what? This Wednesday's July. <laughs> so we'll have dinner on Wednesday at 545 and our Bible study at 630. Uh, one other thing that's uh, coming up kind of quickly, and that is that our youth are going to be leaving tomorrow to go to Panama City uh, for their annual retreat. And Oh, uh, parents are cheering for that. <laughs> Uh, and the youth are too. You, you ready for this, guys? <laughs> yeah, they're they're ready for this. It's always a great time. So uh, so we will be in prayer for our youth as they go uh, to Panama City. We'll pray for for traveling mercies, for safety, and for a lot of fun and some spiritual encouragement and, and advancement as well. It's great to be here with all of you folks. It's great to share this time together. Let me invite you now to stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Like this. 
praise this morning. Because, Lord, I lift your name on high. Like where you continue standing and sing along. Lord, I lift your name on high. And I love to sing your praises. So glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debts to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Come on, everybody, wake up. Lord, I have to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. Come on. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My death to pay from the cross to the grave, from the earth to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Young and old, sons and daughters of God, all of you who are the diverse creations of God's imagination and love, join in praise and thanksgiving as we worship the one who brings us together. We come to this place bringing our varied stories, our unique gifts, and our esteemed calls to serve. We come together in partnership and mission, knowing that we are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to serve others, to seek justice, to offer the hope of the resurrected Christ. We are called to be the body of Christ, a community of believers, a household of faith, a communion of saints, the people of the We are called to the one hope of our high calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. As members of the body of Christ, we covenant together in this hour to build on our sure foundation of Jesus Christ our Lord and to seek the vision of Christ's hope for the world. Amen.
Good morning. Our scripture for today is from 2 Corinthians 13, 11 through 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Let us stand.
Good morning, boys and girls. Will you join me here at the front, please? Great. We have a nice group today. Thank you for coming. I'm going to stand up today, which is kind of unusual because usually I sit down there with you. But today I'm going to stand up. Well, it was a hot summer day in June of 1973. And I was sitting at church, the downtown Baptist church, with my grandmother. I called her Mimi. And I snuggled up against her polyester hot dress. And I said, Mimi, I love you. And she says, Nibby, that's my name, I love you more than my pearls. And I would say, Mimi, I love you. And snuggle up against her some more in church. And she'd say back to me, Nibby, I love you more than my pearls. And I was playing with her pearls the whole time. These are her pearls. I said when my grandmother passed away, I wanted her pearls because she loved me more than her pearls. So aren't they special? So that's why I'm wearing them today. God teaches us about love. And I believe that God wants us to do three things about love. The first thing he wants us to do is to love ourselves. So how do we go about loving ourselves? Do we go around kissing ourselves? Do we go around hugging ourselves? No. Some ways that I think that we can love ourselves is that we eat good food. You know, it's summertime, we have lots of vegetables, eat our vegetables. Another thing that we can do to, be, to love ourselves is we get an education, we go to school and we listen to our parents and our teachers that we get lots of exercise, and we just do things that are good for our bodies. That's one way that we can love ourselves. And the other thing that I believe that God teaches us about love is that we have to love others. Sometimes it's hard to love other people when they're not nice to us, but guess what? We got to anyway. Yesterday, I was at my favorite place to get coffee, and in walks a lady who I somewhat knew, and I was just dying for her to smile at me or just say hello. And she didn't do it. It kind of hurt my feelings, but that's okay. But the lesson that I learned out of that, it doesn't take much for you as a person just to smile at somebody or say hello. So that's how we can love other people. And the third thing that I believe that God tells us what we have to do about love is that we have to love God. So what are those three things? We'll refresh them here. We've got to love ourselves. And second thing is we've got to love others. And the third thing is we've got to love God. And one of the coolest ways of expressing our love to others is with a kiss. So what I'd like for you all to do, and we've got to do this kind of quickly, I want you to stand up. And I want you to blow a kiss to everybody out here in the congregation. Can you do that? Turn around and we blow a kiss. Can we go on? One, two, three. But isn't that cool? 
So let's do it again. One more time. Blow everybody a kiss. That's one way to say that we love other. So just like my grandmother saying that she loved me more than she loves our, her pearls, God loves us even more than my grandmother loved me and my grandmother loved her pearls. So that's what I want to leave you with. But before you leave, what food item describes a kiss more than anything? Guess what? I never do this when I do children's moment, but this is an exception today. Here's a package of unopened chocolate kisses. And I'm going to give it to Miss Mary, and she can do what she wants to with it. But I have one special request. We have, we have one Reverend Mary in our church, and she has a thing for chocolate. So we have to reserve one of those for Reverend Mary. She is not here today, but she would like that. You all can go on and participate in your children's worship. And for us adults here today, we're going to continue in worship, and we're going to sing a song that is definitely about love. Love's divine. All love's excelling. And we still have hymn books nowadays, 208. And Miss Dika.
pray with me? Lord, we thank you. Every day you give us is a blessing. All these people you place in our lives are blessings. Please, Lord, bless these tithes and offerings as we share what we are blessed with to help others to spread your word and your glory to all. Amen.
Wow. Thanks, choir. What a great blessing you are. I, I heard about a, uh, a young couple at a very conservative Bible college who were attracted to one another. But they had been uh, taught all their lives, been brought up to believe that they needed a verse of Scripture or a passage of Scripture to justify anything that they did in their lives. And so one day, the young man said to his girlfriend, Boy, do I want to kiss you, but I just can't find the right Bible verse. He said he tried the verse from 2 Corinthians that, that said, greet each other with a holy kiss, but he knew that that applied to greeting each other at church, so he was stymied. He just didn't know what to do. And then finally one night, tired of waiting, his girlfriend grabbed him and kissed him. And he said, we need a Bible verse. And without hesitation, she said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. <laughs> My guess is that just about any Bible verse would have done at that time. Pastor uh, Wayne Brower tells about a, a young couple in Montreal a few years ago who fell in love. And there was nothing uh, unusual about that. But here's what's inter interesting about this story. Uh, the, the, the young man, Rene, his parents didn't mind their relationship at all, but his girlfriend's parents did. You see, they didn't like Rene. As a matter of fact, they couldn't stand him at all, so they wouldn't let their daughter go out with Rene, wouldn't even let Rene come over to, to their apartment. And so Rene, he was just heartbroken, just 
forlorn with grief here. He longed to see his girlfriend so desperately. And so he would just walk up and down the sidewalk next to her building, just hoping that she might come to the window and perhaps blow him a kiss. And then one day he saw it. The fire alarm. It was located right at the entrance to the building. And so all he had to do was to to sneak in there and give it a pull. And he did. He'd go in there and the lights would flash, the horns would sound, and everyone would have to come outside, including his girlfriend. So he tried it and it worked for a few minutes. Renee and his girlfriend were together once again. They were even able to sneak in a kiss. And then he tried it again. And it worked again. This was getting to be pretty fun. And he tried it again. And again and again, eight times it worked. But the people of the building were getting a little bit annoyed at this. And the Montreal Fire Department was getting a little bit suspicious. And on the ninth time, Rene got caught. And that put an end to that. But it makes me wonder, what would you have done when you were young and in love for a kiss? Paul ends the 13th chapter of 2 Corinthians with these words. Words that our first young man uh, who needed a Bible verse rejected as rationalization for kissing his girlfriend. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The young man was right. This is a teaching directed to the church. It's not about families. It's not about sweethearts. This is about kissing in church. And if you take this passage out of context, this rather upbeat uh, closing to Paul's letter to the Corinthians may lead you to believe that Paul was writing to one of his most successful congregations. But folks, let me tell you something. Nothing could be further from the truth. If you read all of Paul's two letters to the Corinthians, you'll see that that this was a church where there was a lot of division. There was a lot of personality cults and cliques. In fact, the strife was so intense that some of the members of the church were taking other members of the church to, to court. They were suing each other. There was at least one case of gross immorality in the church. There were drunks. There were adulterers. uh, There was unbecoming behavior at the Lord's Supper. And there was a host of other minor and major violations of normal Christian behavior. It seems that the church at Corinth was a prime example of a church that was reaching out to pagans. However, it was having a hard time converting them to a Christian lifestyle. Therefore, the the Corinthian church had a lot of Christians with rough edges. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. Most churches these days don't have many Christians with rough edges. And that's not because we're any better than the congregation in Corinth. It's mostly because most congregations today aren't really trying to reach out to very many pagans, so to speak, if you want to use that word. 
We're not doing that these days very much. If you find a congregation filled with young people with tattoos and body piercings, you'll probably find a church with a lot of Christians with rough edges. And thank God for them. Paul did. Now, you better believe that these recently converted Christians made Paul's life a lot more complicated. It really did. It absolutely did. It seemed that seemed like he was always putting out fires at the Corinthian church. He was always answering questions about marriage and celibacy and food that was offered to idols and drinking and diet and things like that. But life was never dull. And it sure beat a life presiding over a cemetery. And so Paul gave thanks for this church at Corinth. Why? Because this was a church that was truly fulfilling the wishes of the Master. You see, Jesus taught, when you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends or your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do that, then they may invite you back and you will be repaid. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and then... You will be blessed. On another occasion, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, Jesus was calling on us to reach out to people with rough edges. Now, most churches these days don't do that very much. Or at least if they do, they hold it, their efforts at, at arm's length so that they can better control the situation. And I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I'll be honest with you, it's a whole lot easier to be a haven for the respectable than it is to be a hospital for the unredeemed. But God wants us to reach out with love and with patience to those with rough edges. And that's exactly the kind of church that the, that the Corinthian congregation was. It was somewhat of a dysfunctional church. And it was filled with a bunch of dysfunctional Christians. And so with that in mind, let's listen to Paul's words once again. Brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace and the love and the god of love and the peace will be with you greet one another with a holy kiss it is my suspicion that some of the members of the corinthian church were so angry and divided that with other members that they refused to even talk with one another and so what was paul's remedy for that greet one another with a holy kiss in other words, get over your petty divisions and love one another. I want you to notice that in his last words to the Corinthian church, Paul does not chastise them. Instead, he offers them a positive word of encouragement. Now, let me back up for a second here. There were occasions when Paul did chastise them. And there were times when they needed to be chastised. But more than anything else, he was encouraging them to focus on what was primary to their faith. Love for one another and love for God. 
You see, he knew that if he could keep them centered on what was central to their faith, then the rough edges would eventually be made smooth. And folks, I believe that the church today needs to do just that. We need to focus on what is primary to our faith. One of the reasons that the the church is falling into such disrepute with many people in our society today is we keep sticking our nose in where it doesn't belong. But folks, if you boil the gospel of Christ down to its very essentials, it's really very simple. Love God and love one another. That's it. They said of the early believers, see how they love one another. These words were quoted by the early church father, Tertullian, as he described how some non-Christians spoke of the, the Christian communities. And the love that they were referring to was the way in which the early Christians cared for one another, especially the poor. We know from reading the book of Acts that many of the Christian communities shared all of their material possessions in common. And they also freely shared with those in need, even if they were not a part of the Christian community. And here's the thing, folks. We in the church, we need to be more intentional about our love for one another. Legendary football coach Vince Lombardi was once asked what it took to make a winning team. And Lombardi said that there are a lot of coaches with good ball clubs who know the fundamentals and they have plenty of discipline, but they still don't win the game. He said there's a third ingredient that's absolutely essential. If you're going to play together as a team, he said, you've got to care for one another. Lombardi said, you've got to love each other. Each player has to be thinking about the next guy and saying to himself, if I don't block that man, then Paul's going to get his legs broken. I have to do my job well so that he can do his well. He said the difference between mediocrity and greatness is the feeling that these guys have for one another. And folks, if that's true for a professional football team, then how much more true is that for a church? You see, the difference between mediocrity and greatness is the feeling that we have for one another. The support that we give to one another. In his book titled Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell tells a story of Christopher Langan. Langan was an amazing young man. He was a genius with a staggering IQ of 195. And to put that into perspective a little bit, Einstein's... IQ was only 150. So this guy was off the charts here. Langan could, uh, during high school, he could ace any foreign language exam just by skimming the books for two or three minutes before he took the test. He got a perfect score on his SAT even after falling asleep in the middle of it. However, Langan failed to use his exceptional gifts. And he ended up working on a horse farm in Missouri, mucking out stalls. According to Gladwell, the reason that Langan never used his astonishing gifts was that he never had a community to help him capitalize on those gifts. He summarized the story of Christopher Langan in one sentence. He said, Langan had to make his way alone. 
and no one, not rock stars, not professional athletes, not software billionaires, and not even geniuses, no one is ever able to make it alone. That's quite a statement by someone who has studied what it takes to be a success in this world. No one ever makes it alone. And I believe that Paul knew that. Paul knew that the only way that this church in Corinth could become what Christ really wanted it to be was for it to become a church in which the people really cared for one another. And that's why he said to them, strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Lift each other up. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. My friends, the church at Corinth needed to focus on what, it, what was primary to their faith. Love for one another. But even more importantly, they also needed to focus on their love for God. You know, rough edges are rarely made smooth by criticism and fault-finding. No. But folks, listen to this. We can become what God wants us to be when we love God so much that we truly want to conform our lives to the image of God's Son. There's a story about a little girl who fell in love with a string of plastic pearls. I love Mibby's little story a little while ago. We didn't plan this. Uh, that, that he was going to be talking about pearls, and I'm going to be talking about pearls today. But this little girl, Jenny, she fell in love with a, a string of plastic per- pearls. She saved up all of her money to buy this plastic treasure. And after, after she bought them, oh, she loved them. She wore them everywhere she went. She wore them to Sunday school, to kindergarten, even to bed. The only time she ever took them off is when she took a bath or went swimming. Now, this little girl had a daddy who loved her very much, very much. He tucked her into bed every night and read her a a bedtime story. But one night when he was finished the story, he asked Jenny, do you love me? And she said, oh, daddy, you know I love you. And and then he asked, then will you give me your pearls? Oh, daddy, she said, not my pearls. You can have Princess, the white horse for my collection. You know, the one with the pink tail. Remember, Daddy, the one you gave me? That's my favorite. You can have Princess. He said, that's okay, okay honey. Daddy loves you. And she, he brushed her cheek with a, with a kiss. Then after that, about once a week, her daddy would ask the same thing. Do you love me? Would you give me your pearls? And every time she would offer to give him something else instead of the pearls. And then finally one night, this little girl was sitting on the side of her bed with tears running down her cheeks. And with a little quiver, she finally said, Here, Daddy, it's for you. And with tears gathering in his own eyes... Jenny's daddy reached out with one hand to take the dime store pearls, and with the other hand, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a blue velvet case with a strand of genuine pearls. He had them all along. 
He was just waiting for her to give up the dime store stuff so that he could give her the real treasure. And you know, our lives, with all of our rough edges, we're kind of like those plastic pearls. But here's the thing. When we give them over to God, God takes them and gives us back the pearl of great price. The gift of God's grace. And when Christians with rough edges begin to understand what grace, what God's grace is really all about, that's when they will seek to be more and more like the person that God wants them to be. That's why Paul was so enthusiastic about the church in Corinth. However imperfect they may have been, he was trying to get them to remember those things that were primary to their existence. Now, in our culture, and especially with us guys, very rarely do we greet one another with a kiss. But you know, we can still express our love to one another with a handshake or with a hug or maybe a kiss. And so as we leave here today, I hope that each of you will turn to someone around you and express your love and your appreciation for them. Because, folks, we too need to focus on that which is primary to our faith. Love God. And love one another. Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn, number 580. O God of love, enable me. Let's sing all four verses. O God of love, enable me. May you lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to God as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God.
May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from God's glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Lord who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints of God. Go and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Amen.